This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. As the Federal Reserve mulls the possibility of a central bank digital currency, what does the public, particularly privacy advocates and those operating within the robust crypto space now, think about it? Cato's Nick Anthony offers his thoughts. Federal agencies, whenever they are considering a piece of regulation, either they have a regulation that is uh, pending, it's on its way, but they want public comments so that they can perhaps tailor it. Some some agencies listen, some don't. Uh, there are a lot of complaints about how the SEC is doing that uh, from, well, from our own Jennifer Schulp, among others, uh, discussing that. But agencies also put out requests for uh, just comment on an idea where there is not a specific piece of regulation that is forthcoming, but they're considering it or they're considering doing something, and they ask for comment. In the case of a central bank digital currency, what has the Fed discussed in public about what they might want to do with a central bank digital currency? Well, I think it was just about in February, the Federal Reserve released a report saying that it was uh, officially marking its interest in pursuing a central bank digital currency or a CBDC. And it had some guidelines for it. It wanted it to be uh, identity verifiable. They wanted to have security systems in place. They wanted to make sure that it helped the dollar grow and a few other features. But it was not really anything new. It was nothing that the Fed had not already said. The big piece of this report, the, the piece that really mattered, was that it asked the public a set of questions saying, hey, we're interested in your feedback. We want to know what we need to do, what we need to be concerned about, what we can do better, and what we didn't say in this report that needs to be on our minds. And now we're seeing the results of those reports. We're seeing the comments and responses being made public finally. Who's commented? I mean, I assume market market players in uh, crypto have commented. Uh, for listeners, you can listen to a podcast I did recently with uh, Will Luther on some of the privacy risks associated with central bank digital currencies. And these are not, um, you know, off the top of your head uh, pie-in-the-sky ideas. These are very real and substantial and easily doable with uh, a digital, almost any digital currency. But if it's coming from a central bank, there's a little extra punch there. So what did commenters say broadly about the prospect of a Federal Reserve central bank digital currency? Well, throughout the comments, uh, the first like about 1,500 comments, time and time again, financial privacy was the leading concern. Out of those 1,500 comments, about 72% of them were concerned or outright opposed to the idea of a CBDC in the United States because chief among that, they're concerned about financial privacy, but they're also worried about the risk of financial oppression. Things like the uh, Canadian response to the trucker protest when bank accounts were frozen in mass. And also, we saw a lot of people just worried about the possible risk of destabilizing the financial system, where we have a system that depends on this relationship between private banks and the Federal Reserve. And 
in a lot of ways, a CBDC could cut those private banks out of the equation. Okay, so private banks, what are they afraid of losing in terms of their ability to function within a market? So George Selgin has has written about this and really called attention to this early, where you have this risk that if the government is to issue a CBDC to the public, then people have this question that comes up. Do they want to hold the CBDC or do they want to hold traditional dollars with their bank account? Now, a, a quick way to, to decide between the two, just from a, a cost perspective, is what's the rate of interest being paid on that? And if the government is to pay a higher rate of interest, you could easily see a situation in which people start running from the banks and to the government to get that higher return. And even in cases where you might see a bank struggling, where there were bank runs of the past, people might see, instead of having to worry about maybe something might happen to my dollars, they can say, oh, let me just run into the the government's arms with a CBDC because they'll just print more to replace the old ones. And I won't have to have any concern in the meantime. For market players, people who are operating within uh, the system of the Federal Reserve and banking regulators and all of the regulations that go along with even just moving money from one place to another, they fear that their market might vanish. Exactly. Uh, and, and so for people in the crypto space, what are their concerns? Well, here you have a, a unique situation where uh, a good example is just recently uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lael Brainerd said that she saw a situation in which stable coins uh, would be able to compete on a on a level playing field and coexist with the Federal Reserve's CBDC. But again, much like the concerns with the traditional banking system, it's very likely that a CBDC could erase the, the private sector because the Fed has such a huge advantage, huge legal privileges over the private sector because it gets to play the game, write the rules, and act as a referee where just the mere entrance of it is slanting the playing field in its favor and away from those private sector competitors. What do you expect? I mean, if the, if the comments are uh, overwhelmingly negative in terms of the possibility of the Fed uh, creating a central bank digital currency, what do you, is that going to influence their decision? I would hope it would. Sadly, we've seen, as, as you said, with... Uh, Groups like the SEC, we've seen cases where they do not listen to comments or they do not give them the respect that they deserve. But right now, it is still early and the Fed still has the opportunity to address these concerns. And I think that's the best thing that it can do is address them head on, say what it, it can do to mitigate the, the financial privacy risks, the financial oppression risks, the financial system destabilization risks, and address whether or not a CBDC is really justifying these risks, even if they can be uh, lessened or mitigated. They really need to step forward and present a case because as it stands, 
it really just seems like a central bank digital currency is kind of the shiniest, most exciting tool in the central banking landscape. And I don't blame central bankers for being interested in it. It certainly seems exciting and it's gotten them in the news left and right. But that in and of itself is not enough to justify reinventing the entire market. There needs to be something on the table that actually provides a very real benefit for both Americans, large and small. I can understand if I am a central banker and I uh, am seeing technology all around with respect to moving a credible uh, chunk of wealth uh, from one place to another, being able to move that very, very quickly across international borders, no intervention from uh, any authorities whatsoever, strong decentralization, strong cryptographic uh, security built into uh, these coins. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the broad range of cryptocurrencies available. I could be persuaded that we need, either need to get on this train or find a way to make our money better in a significant way. And so uh, part of what appears to drive this, at least from my perspective, is fear. Is that right? I think that's a that's a fair way to summarize it. And I think it's true. It might not be true for everyone in the CBDC policy landscape, but I think it's certainly true for quite a few folks. Um, a good example is just in Congress alone. We've seen time and time again where folks say, how they're concerned about the dollar's international status as the world's reserve currency. And they they worry about um, other countries moving to digital currencies, uh, endangering that. And when it comes to that, I think there are very real lessons that cryptocurrencies can offer for U.S. policymakers about how they can improve the dollar. But I don't think they should get lost in this keeping up with the Joneses mentality because just to give three quick examples, we have China offering a digital currency now and yet no one is really flocking to it just because it's a digital currency. And quite obviously, it's because China has such a long history of human rights abuses, including financial privacy abuses. And because of that, it's very unlikely that people are going to flock to it. But we can go to a, a slightly more free uh, country, which on the Cato Human Freedom Index, uh, Nigeria ranks quite a bit higher. And yet nobody's flocking to their digital currency either. And then you have issues of their of the volatility of their prices are so huge that no one's going to want to jump to that. So here we have two things that a CBDC can't beat out. So moving a little closer to home and even higher on the human freedom index, the Bahamas has their currency pegged to the U.S. dollar. So we've gotten rid of the volatility issues. And quite clearly, we've gotten rid of many of the uh, freedom violation issues. And yet then we're stuck with this issue of the Bohemian sand dollar. Or the, the sand dollar in the Bahamas is not at a large enough network to be truly advantageous for people to use. And so we have three unique problems and a CBDC solved none of them. And I think 
policymakers really need to wake up to that, that it's not this panacea. And even in individual contexts, we're not seeing CBDC being the, the magic marquee that is catching everyone's eyes. Nick Anthony is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Please subscribe and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 